Welcome back to the West London Witch. This episode includes a story of suicide and may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is strongly advised. There is a palace on the banks of the River Thames, a perfectly preserved window into the 17th century, a home that is brimming with opulence, luxury, and sumptuous grandeur. But the perfectly manicured gardens and time capsule-like decor is merely a facade of tranquility. For although this home looks as though it's frozen in time, this sleeping beauty is still very much alive. And welcome to the fourth episode of The West London Witch, a podcast where we share stories about those moments where we find ourselves very much not alone. Today, we're staying right here in West London. About two miles away from my house is the stunning and historic Ham House, the home of the shrewd, forward-thinking Duchess of Lauderdale. With me today is producer and local historian Doug Pynchon. While producing a play inside the National Treasure, he was able not only to experience the house for himself, but was also made privy to the experiences of others. I'm Rebecca Strazina, and this is The West London Witch. Episode 4, The Haunting of Ham House. In order to make sense of the activity that occurs in Ham House today, I have to take you back to the 17th century. Don't worry, this won't be a dry history lesson. I'll stick to all the good stuff. Scandal, espionage, and beheadings. Ham House was built in 1610 and was gifted to William Murray and his family by King Charles I in 1626. William was a whipping boy for King Charles I, and they remained friendly throughout their adult life. In 1642, the English Civil War began. This was the war between the Parliamentarians and the Royalists, and a really bad time to be the Murray family. The family was close with King Charles I, and Oliver Cromwell was not very kind to these royal families. Many regal estates fell at this time, but the Murrays were able to hold on because they had a very special weapon. In the lead-up to the British Civil War, Elizabeth Murray, William's daughter, made a boring, albeit safe, marriage to one Lionel Tullamarsh from Suffolk. She ended up inheriting Ham House and was very, very close with King Charles I. 
After Charles I was beheaded during the war, Elizabeth still held loyalties to the family and supported the now-exiled son, Charles II. However, she was also very close with Oliver Cromwell, the head of the opposition. When the Civil War started, Elizabeth sort of played both ends against the middle. She was a spy for Charles. Um, and this carried on after the execution of Charles I. But somehow when the uh, Parliament took over, when Cromwell took over, she managed to keep hold of the property. And it is thought that she had a very close relationship with Oliver Cromwell. And this is where we start to get the, the rumours, uh, one of which was that she had an affair with Cromwell, which can't be proved one way or the other, but what is known is that she had a very warm relationship with Cromwell and probably explains why when all similar, or people in similar situations lost their property, she hung on to the Ham House estate. So Elizabeth and Oliver Cromwell are friendly. But all the while, she's actually a part of the Sealed Knot, a secret organization that funneled information to Charles II in order to help him reclaim his crown. Now, Charles II had a sort of inner cabinet known as the Cabal. And that word is now uh, used for a sort of secret society within an organization. But what it actually started life as was the initials of the nobles that were in the inner circle of Charles II's court. And the L was Lauderdale. And Elizabeth met Lauderdale. And again, we have rumours and whatever, um, but she certainly got very close to Lauderdale. When Elizabeth met the Duke of Lauderdale, she was married to Sir Lionel Tallamarsh. And the Duke was also married. More rumours... Um, and it starts. To, you know, we start to get towards the ghosts here. It was rumoured that her husband, the, the Ptolemy's husband, rather conveniently died, and there is a rumour that she poisoned him. And there is a ghost that was seen in the 30s, I think, 1930s, that points to this. But it's not good enough for just Lionel to die, because Lauderdale himself is still married. Yet very conveniently, right after Lionel's death, the Duke of Lauderdale's wife also dies. Coincidence? Well, that's up for you to decide. With both of their spouses now passed, the two wed and Elizabeth becomes the Duchess of Lauderdale, and they begin to live an incredibly extravagant life together. Elizabeth herself was independently very wealthy and the Duke of Lauderdale was more than her match financially. The two of them set about updating Ham House and turned it into a palace. It is the most extravagant example of the 17th century home that we have in existence today. They also extended it. If you look at the back of Ham House, the facade is completely different to the, the front. Now that was Elizabeth's work. She sort of put a new wing completely across the back. In fact, if you go up into the attic, so you can see where it's joined. They didn't bother to 
take out the windows when you got up to the servants' quarters. They just sort of built round them. So you can see where the original wall was. And then there's a new bit that sticks out from that. It wasn't rare for women to redecorate their homes in the 17th century. But it was rare for them to get credit for it. And Elizabeth's fingerprints are all over the house. In the mantelpiece, in the floors, in the fire irons, everywhere you can see her initials. And everyone knew she was the designer. Well, they had a high old life. Uh, She was probably more royal than the royals. And they weren't exactly popular. And when you're not exactly popular, people are on the lookout to to, um, remove you shall we say. Anyway, that's what happened. And Lord of Dale lost, uh, lost favour and died not long afterwards. Uh, Elizabeth came back to Ham House and spent the rest of her life in debt, largely because she was suing Lord of Dale's family for the price of his rather lavish funeral. Over the years, Elizabeth had garnered quite a reputation for herself. People were confounded by this strong enigma of a woman. But she was quite a character. Um, there were all sorts of rumours about her in that she was a witch, uh, largely because she had red hair. And red hair was considered to be a sign of, of witchcraft. But she certainly dabbled in, in potions and pills. There is a uh, little building in the courtyard of Ham House where she, and I think it was her cousin, used to sort of dabble um, in um, potions, shall we say. And she also developed a, a sort of um, invisible ink, which uh, she used to pass the messages across to the, the royalists on the continent. I mean, she was, despite having a safe husband, she, she didn't play it safe. After Elizabeth's death, Ham House reverted back to the Tolomarsh family, her first husband's family. However, the house never saw the glory and the grandeur of when she was the head of the household. And Ham House was in a way neglected, but that has been a benefit for us because most of the furnishings that were in the inventories of Elizabeth's day are still there. And you can go visit Ham House. And that's where our story really takes off because it's not empty. People go and tour Ham House every single day. It's full of workers and even cultural events. And yet, Elizabeth, who's been dead for centuries, is still very much lady of the house. It's supposed to be one of the most haunted houses in in the country. It has so many supposed specters that you think, oh... Can we believe all this? I mean, it really, it really is quite amazing. And this is how we sort of came around to our experiencing some of it. Being a theatrical producer, Doug had produced a show in the Richmond area where Ham House resides. He had made a connection with the house manager of Ham House, a woman named Anne. Anne was very keen to start ghost tours at Ham House. Uh, and she knew of our <coughs> theatrical background, such as it was, and said, would, would my business partner and I go on one of the first ghost tours? So we said, yeah, fine. So I think it was October, so it was dark and gloomy. We duly turned up at Ham House. 
and we joined the party. We were walking around with Anne and making comments as we went. And really, every turn you made, there was a story. Ham House is not short of stories. Any scary movie trope you can throw at us, it is in Ham House. Haunted mirrors, gray ladies, spooky chapels, ghost dogs, scorned lovers, secret passages. It's all here. Um, As you walked in, the chapel was on the left. Now the Duchess is supposed to appear in the chapel. If you're standing on a particular step on the grand staircase, there are reports of people being pushed. And the Duchess was supposed to appear on the staircase at four o'clock in the afternoon when she came down to take whatever tea, I suppose. Staff often report hearing the clickety-clack of Elizabeth's shoes and her cane. In the Duke's closet, there was a smell of tobacco. In another room, there was a mirror that you saw a reflection in. This mirror is one of the most common stories you will hear about Ham House. People report either being terrified to look into it for fear of what they might see, or catching a glimpse of Elizabeth out of the corner of their eye, or just full-on seeing her apparition standing there in the mirror looking back at them. Then you went upstairs. Above the Great Hall is a sort of gallery, and apparently they just cut a hole in the floor to make this gallery. No one's quite sure why it stays up, but it does. But uh, a child visiting the house ran slap into the banister that goes around the hole and asked why he did it. He was told, oh, I wanted to go and look at the picture on the other side. Well, he was seeing the room as it was. Also at this level, there was the phantom dog, uh, King Charles Spaniel, who was uh, Elizabeth's dog a member of the public complained that they weren't allowed to take their dog in the house. But what was this King Charles family doing running around? Well, that was the ghost of her dog, Elizabeth's dog. The tour goes on and on and on. Stories around every single corner. A window that someone waved from, and then there was somebody else in the garden, and then there was the cavalier we talked about, earlier that's supposed to walk in the uh, in the path in front of the house you you got a bit sort of ghosted out really there were so many of them that less is more less is more in some cases the last stop on the tour was the upper servants quarters it's a big double room you walk in and there's a wall with a door in it and another room leading off of that and in this there was a wheelchair, and this moved its own accord. We didn't see it move at that point, but we were told that it moved and the staff had heard it. Okay, fine. So we then leave the house. The, the paying customers left the house. We were with the house manager who set the alarm, because there was nobody else in the house at the time, set the burger alarm locked up the house and we went out into the courtyard we are having a a glass of wine with the house manager and she said well what what do you think (sighs) well i made the comment about less is more and i think i made some facetious remark about the wheelchair 
It's an old house. The wheelchair itself is centuries of years old. There's creaky floorboards, maybe a draft. There is no way that wheelchair goes rolling around by itself. Jamal, all right, let's go back in the house and see if anything has happened. Because often uh, when, there are, when there are people around that are uh, skeptical or whatever, things happen. Oh yeah, okay. So the rest of the party left the grounds. They went off. The people that actually paid for this this trip, they left, and we went back into the house with Anne, and she unlocked the door, and she turned off the burglar alarm, and she said, "Right, let's see about the wheelchair, which you're so rude about." Anyway, we went into the first room. And she said, well, you know, open the door. So we opened the door. And we had left the wheelchair at the far wall. Open this door. And the wheelchair was tight up against the door. It was trying to get out of the door. She said, well, we better put it back. And when I went to move it, the brake was on. So why had that moved in an empty house with the brake on? It wasn't an uneven floor. So that was our first um, first experience of something strange happening in our house. I still wasn't altogether convinced. And years later, long after she had left the National Trust, we met Anna at another function. And I said, look, you know, it's time has passed. I don't mind. Did you did you set us up for that? You can admit to it. I'm quite happy for you to tell me the truth. No, really, I didn't. Doug and his business partner ended up producing a play inside of Ham House in the Great Hall. But this gave him essentially unfettered access to the entire building and places that normal tourists do not get to go into. The other story that Anne told us that, that sort of had a resonance later was about the Duchess and her perfume. Apparently, when she's going to appear, there is a scent of roses. We were told this ages before this particular event happened. Anyway, we were doing, we were working at the Ham House, which involved costumes and whatever, and, and actors. And we were going to use the servants' hall in the basement. And Rich and I collected the, the costumes. I thought, I can smell something. And there was a scent of flowers. Whether it was roses or not, I can't be sure, but there was a scent of flowers. And what was weird about this was that it was, it had edges to it. The, the, if you move one way, it disappeared. If you move the other way, it disappeared. And there was this sort of block of uh, perfume. And I called Richard and he smelled it. Then it just vanished. It didn't dissipate. It just went. And when I came home, I tried spraying a perfume more, and it didn't react in the same way. So, and I, we said that to Anne. She said, no, well, the, the Duchess is happy that you're here. Okay, all right, if you say so. While producing this show, there was a few very curious events that took place. 
One of them had to do with a 17th century bed cover that's in a display box upstairs in the upper part of the house. The linens are preserved in a glass case. However, one morning, staff realized that there was the image of someone laying in the bed. There was a dent in the pillow, and the covers were pulled back. But this would have been a very elaborate prank, because when they went to right the bed, they had to dismantle the entire display case. It came apart in many, many pieces. So this wasn't just some casual prank. Another famous ghost of Ham House includes the story of one John McFarlane. He was a servant who had fallen in love with one of Elizabeth's ladies' maids. Even though they were technically both in service, he was below her station. Legend has it that he met her on the staircase one night and proposed. But she declined the offer, and he was so devastated he jumped from a window and died. He is reported to still haunt the house. Uh, This Lady Anne lived in a flat on the top floor. And on the window, there is a name and a date scratched for the diamond. And apparently, that was a 17-year-old youth thwarted in love that had thrown himself out of that window, pausing only to write his name on the window. And Anne said that on the, the day or the anniversary of that date, she always heard some strange noise. And the other thing she showed us, and this we did see, which is very odd, um, it's the days of photographs on film. And she had a daughter, and there's a series of photographs of her daughter and her friend in the flat at the top of the house. And there's the daughter and the friends and the dog. And when it gets to the end of the, the run of film, there is the room, you can recognize it, and to the right of the picture, behind the girls, there is a couple in some 1920s clothes dancing. She also had a photograph, and there was a door half open, and there was a sort of gnarled hand holding a walking stick coming round the door. The strange thing about that was that they had the walking stick in the house, and it was the Duchess's walking stick. There's also a particularly strange story about some ghost hunters who were permitted to spend a night in the chapel. Which is full of 17th century uh, fabrics and kneelers and all sorts of things, you know, which you don't breathe or never mind touch. You know, it's all very precious and very fragile. So this party of uh, researchers were locked in the chapel overnight. They were let out at 6 a.m., reporting nothing in particular. And off they went. The house opened at midday. Someone opened the chapel up and the whole place was in disarray. All the kneelers and the fabrics had been flung around the the room. There was one story I had seen in a few dark corners in the abyss of the internet about a secret hidden in the wall where some documents were found that might have proved that Elizabeth killed her husband. But it didn't seem terribly credible to me. So I asked Doug what his take was on it. Well, this is one that that has been around for a long time. 
and nobody has been able to prove it. And it goes back to the Duchess and whether or, whether she poisoned her husband or whether she didn't. The story is that this is the one from the 1930s, I think, when a child did wake up and she saw a figure scratching at a panel beside the, the fireplace. And she saw this spectral figure screamed. Someone came to a room and the figure disappeared. But they did open this panel, allegedly, and they did find documents behind the panel, um, which proved somehow that the Duchess had indeed helped her husband on his way to the other world. However, here's the catch. Those documents have never been found. And if there was documentation that proved that Elizabeth was her husband's murderer, I don't think that's something that would have gone missing. But, you know, it is a very strange, spooky place, whatever you might think. I mean, I never... I don't know how I feel about things like that. Um, if it hadn't been for the wheelchair, I think I might have dismissed it all out of out of hand. But, you know, we are sure that we weren't set up. The thing had moved when there was nobody there and there was no way anyone could get in while we were out of the building. And it had the break off. I think what's most important isn't whether the house is haunted or not, but rather that the history of the home remains intriguing and relevant because of the ghosts. They keep the interest alive. We want to know more about this Wonder Woman who may still roam the halls of her palace. A woman who was brave, cunning, creative, and ultimately, legendary. The house is now in the safekeeping of the National Trust and can be visited today. Check out our Instagram and Facebook to see some of my photos of the house. Do you have a spooky story you'd like to share? I'd love to hear it. Drop me an email at thewestlondonwitch at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at The West London Witch. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And come follow us for additional content on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Witch is created by me, Rebecca Strazina. Our sound designer and production magician is the incredible Danny Cross. Our theme music was bespokely written and performed by the wickedly talented Kyle Hall. Our cover art is the beautiful collaboration between Lizzie Wilson and Jake Bowser. Special thanks to Miss Sinead Bowers, our quality control and biggest cheerleader. And thank you to you, all of our listeners all over the world. These are your stories. Thank you for sharing them with us. Thank you.